0: Benfica Nation! Welcome back for another episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinio, coming to you here on the PTB Media Network, and it has been a while, hasn't it? Yes, the last time you heard from me was the night Benfica beat PSV, or I should say, drew PSV, but won the round 0-0 in Eindhoven to advance to the UEFA Champions League group stage. Uh that was the last time you heard from me that night I took off and I went on vacation took a road trip and well, let's just say it was not a relaxing vacation or relaxing holiday anything like that no 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 it was quite the opposite um some things went down and it ended up being very very stressful Let's just say you live you learn you move on um but uh coming back from that i had a i've been absolutely bombarded with work um no, both jobs just absolutely overwhelmed right now. Uh, understaffed, overwhelmed. I've just not been able to record. So I'm playing catch-up tonight here on a Monday night, okay, and Benfica. Have, we have three matches to talk about tonight from Benfica. It is three Liga Portugal matches, rounds four, five, and six. We're not going to talk about the UEFA Champions League in this episode. That's going to be in the next episode that's going to drop in a day or so. I'll, um, I'll drop it then. It'll be a review of the UEFA Champions League group stage match day one. Uh, matchup against Dynamo Kiev, the Ukrainian champions. So I'm saving that for the next episode. Because you know we'll only cover so much in one episode. I don't want to drag this out too long. Don't want to lose you guys. Uh, thank you for sticking with me, of course. And those of you that um, are not new to the show... And those of you that follow a lot of the other Benfica content, you may not want to hear the review of the earlier matches. So what I'm doing for you guys today is I'm gonna start with the most recent. I'm starting with tonight's matchup against Boavista at the Stadio de Luge. Benfica three to one winners tonight, and um, we'll start with that and we'll work backwards. Okay, we'll work backwards to the Tondela match um, back before the international break. So so uh, that that's where this episode's gonna go. This episode 124, and then. Um, in a day or so I'm going to drop episode 125 it'll be a Champions League review and at the end of the week I've got a women's episode as well the Benfica women's team absolutely crushing it right now they also have qualified for the UEFA Women's Champions League group stage the first ever group stage I'm going to recap those two matches plus their Liga BPI um, season opener which was also a victory I'll cover that uh, a little bit later this week but for now we're talking about uh, we're talking about Benfica versus Bolivista, but there's also some other news I want to talk about. Now, last Friday there was a general assembly, an extra an extraordinary general assembly. I'm not going to talk about that in this episode today. I'm still doing my homework on what was said, what came out of that general assembly. I don't want to give out any misinformation. And I'm still working on, on putting together a piece, um, in, regarding that. We will be having elections at the club, as you may or may not know, in October. And as of right now, I believe Rui Costa is the only candidate to confirm his candidacy. We know that, uh, that Joan Aronio Lopes is not going to run. And that is to the disappointment of many of the anti vietistas which l- let me be honest, I am on that side of the argument. I was very much anti-Vieta, as you you probably know if you if you've listened or followed the show, followed my social media, any of that. You know where I stood on that, and I was pretty vocal about it. Um, you also know my policy from last year, okay? When we had the election, my policy is I'm not going to endorse any candidate because I want I don't want to just influence anybody. I will give you what I can. Going into this election, but I'm not going to officially endorse any candidate that is I believe that as independent media, I need to be truly independent. And as media, journalistically speaking, I don't believe it's right when when journalism or journalists or publications or media outlets endorse candidates. I think that's wrong. Um, I think they should be neutral and I will remain neutral from an official stance. Uh, Whoever, whoever's on the ballot, but there will be elections at the club. Also, I got to give a shout out here uh, before we proceed to our, our already crowned Olympic gold medalist, now champion of the Diamond League. That's right. Our athletics champion, Pedro Pablo Pichardo. The triple jumper won the Diamond League championship last week in in Zurich, Switzerland. So, for those of you who don't know, um, the Olympics is the Olympics, but the Diamond League is like the you could call it almost like the Premier League of track and field of athletics. They go around the world with meets in in a bunch of different places. It's a circuit, and at the end of the season, they have a championship. Okay, they have a final, and Pedro Pablo Pichardo. Benfica's triple jumper won the triple jump in the Diamond League Finals. So he is not only the Olympic champion, but he is essentially the league champion as well among all the top triple jumpers in the world. So big, big congratulations goes out to Pedro Pablo Pichardo. All right. Um, Also, anything else to talk about? We also have uh, Benfica U19s getting absolutely stomped by Dynamo Kiev in in UEFA youth league. I'll touch on that when we talk Champions League um in another episode. But that's just really bringing things up to speed right now. That's where we stand. So we're gonna take a quick little break. We're gonna get gonna get some Reconquista for old time's sake, right? We're gonna listen to that. And on the other side it we will talk about Benfica versus Boavista round six. Liga Portugal B win here on Mr. Benfica on the B on the PTB Media Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Agustinu That's at M I K E A G O S T I N H O, and on Instagram at the same. Um, sorry, not at the same handle. At M A G O S T I N H O two zero. That's at M Agustinho twenty. And also follow the show on both platforms. On Twitter, it's at Benfica Mister, and on Instagram, it's at Mister Benfica. We'll be right back. Sabes que estamos contigo, nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica, carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica, carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Sozinho, em cada esquina não um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até o Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso Por direito que não vi Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Morra nossas O querer de todos nós so, in reverse order, we start in round six in this episode. We start Benfica versus Boa Vista at the Estádio de Luz. Let's go right to the lineups, starting with the visitors. Well, we have Boavista coached by João Pedro Souza. They're playing a 3 4 3, at least on paper. And Rafael Bracali is their goalkeeper. Nathan Santos, uh, Jackson Porozo, and Rodrigo Abascal are the three in the back, with Pedro Mayero and Yanis Hamach as the two wingbacks. Uh, Makuta and Sebastián Perez are the double pivot in midfield and in the attack. You have Peter Musa playing as the striker with Gustavo Saw- uh, Sawyer to his right and Kenji Gore to his left. Uh, Benfica will also come out in a four-three-three in their usual four-three-three, of course, and um, Odi Vlachodimos once again the goalkeeper, as uh, it is clear he is he is the number one for George Azouz this season. A little bit of a mystery as to what happened with Elton late, but you know what. Um Befica is learning to to play with him as their goalkeeper. And I'll get into it as we go through different matches. But I talked about it way back, way back on August the 24th when uh, Befica were getting ready to play that second leg against PSV. I talked about how I wanted to see that line of confrontation dropped and that defensive line that they were holding dropped so that there was less space between the back three and Odiva so that there is less less um times he would need to come off his line to come out and play the ball way out out of uh out of his goal um not his strength I prefer him between the posts of course I know some people don't like that but uh that's where we are right now and it seems like the team is starting to um, is starting to adjust to that and starting to factor that into the game plan uh Georges is doing a good job in that in that regard as he is protecting his goalkeeper a little bit better, even if he's not talking about it, even if he's not giving him credit publicly, um, odie has been big. Okay, he has made some big saves in tight matches, so uh, he deserves his due here. And he is he is the number one right now. Uh, the three in the back, no surprise. Lucas Verissimo on the right. Nicolas Otamendi, the captain, in the center of defense, with Jan Vertonghen as the left center back. The wing backs are Diogo Gonçalves and Grimaldo, as usual usual midfield pairing as well in the in the center of the park Ulian weigl partnering with Joao mario up front today it's roman yarlunchuk that gets the start as the striker the ukrainian is is aided to his right by rafa silva and to his left by darwin Nunes. so those are the lineups for this one, and again, Benfica come into the match perfect so far on the on the season, five victories from five matches, fifteen points, top of the league. They 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 step on the pitch tonight, one point ahead of both of the the arch rivals, ahead of both Sporting and Porto. And um, of course, the goal here is to get the victory and to put more distance between yourself and your rivals. Remember that last year, this is where the wheels started to come off the wagon. This is where the train started to go off the tracks for Benfica. Um, last year, round six, just like this year, Benfica fifteen points, just like this year. And last year, we went to Bessa in 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 Porto, where Boavista play their home matches. And we were beaten three 0 uh handedly by by uh the black panthers, and last season they they began the you know that that three nil victory really hurt us, even though we turned it around after that for a bit um Those were three points we could have had at the end of the season, no doubt about it uh causing us to finish third and causing us to play a lot of extra matches in this the early portion of this season because we had to go through champions league qualifying rather than um go straight to the group stage. And this year, fortunately, Benfica take care of business, as we said. And, um, you go, you know, last year you could, you would get all the way to, to this, to Christmas at least, if not to the second, the second half of the season. Boavista had only that one victory, go, um, from the first half of the season, and it was a 3 nothing thumping of Benfica. So Benfica this time taking care of business and coming away with the three points to solidify their lead top of the table. So, we look at that and um a few things here um interestingly enough JJ opts for for Supriyan Vertonghen over Moratu I thought and I've said that I thought Moratu was winning that spot over Vertonghen but uh in this one he goes with the veteran and um and well no international duty, you know, this week, and no Champions League this week, so a full week of recovery now of well, almost a full week. If you could next play on Saturday, so not so much squad rotation in this one. Actually, really no squad rotation. I think JJ put his best eleven out there. You could make an argument for a player or two to to be included, but for the most part, this looks like JJ selecting his his best eleven. So the match starts off, and if you could come out. Come out well at the beginning of the match. I mean, they, they came out, they looked comfortable. Uh, it looked like the midweek, or I should say, la- late last week, last midweek, I should say, uh, draw at Dinamo Kiev seems to be in the memory, me in the rear view, way in the back, because they came out, did not look affected by it. Interestingly, he goes with Darwin Nunez again, as we said, and uh, a lot of criticism being thrown at Dar- Darwin Nunez. He would get a double you know, in the last round against Santa Clara, but his performance against Dinamo Kiev was not good. Um, I have stated before, I didn't think he was ready when he was launched. And I didn't think he was ready for that kind of level uh, in the Champions League either. But, JJ sticking with him, giving him minutes. He was decent against Santa Clara, and he was good today. So I mean, I think Darwin Nunez's confidence is starting to to t- turn around. And when you're a striker, it all it all comes from whether or not you're putting the ball in the back of the net. That's all it comes down to. And um, you see strikers go through slumps and through peaks because of this. Because sometimes all you have to do is is tap in that empty netter to give yourself the confidence that the next time you shoot you're going to score darwin today had a decent efficiency he moves well down the left you know the left center, center channel there and i think maybe you got learning how to use him and it's not as an out and out striker which was something jj you know was kind of insistent on last season and again i think jj for the most part by and large has been quite good this season. Uh, His changes have all been positive, you know, with exception to the Champions League match, I think, in Kiev. But that's a topic for another day. But, Outside of that one match, I think JJ's been been good. He's been getting it right. And uh, in the seventh minute, it is, it is Darwin with the first chance of the match. But he misses just to the right. Uh, it was a nice ball played down the right flank to uh, Roman Yarmuchuk. Yarmuchuk makes his run down the right. And that ball was there the entire first half. I mean, that channel, that passing lane was never closed down by Bovista at any point in that first half. And on this one, Yarmuchuk... Yarimchuk, excuse me, gets into the space and he squares it for Darwin, who's running onto it. Unfortunately, though, Yarimchuk's uh, square of the ball, he drives it. It is just a half a step behind Darwin's run, forcing Darwin to open up his hips so that rather than facing the goal as he runs onto the ball, he is facing Yarimchuk in the touchline. And then he can't swing his hips enough to direct it towards goal. Plus, the ball comes off his foot, hits his... his um. Plant leg, you know, it hits his plant foot and goes wide, and uh, you know, another chance was squandered. And I could hear the, I could hear the criticisms of Darwin from here. I mean, from here in Boston, in the United States of America, I could hear the frustration out of the Luge, out of all the beneficiaries around the world with this player. There is um, waning patience for him. I can feel that. I can sense that. I, I, as you know, have a lot of faith in this player, and I think he's still quite green. He's coming along, and I think with more opportunities, he is going to continue to improve. And again, when you're playing in front of goal, when you're an attacker, when you're a forward, a striker, when you start to put the ball in the back of the net, you start it all just starts to click for you, and I think that's the case here as Darwin um, will be the one to break the deadlock here. It is in the 13th minute. After a nice play here, a nice bit of possession, it goes from side to side. And João Mario plays it back to Lucas Ferismo. Lucas Ferismo plays uh, Diogo Gonçalves in down the right flank again. Again, that, that channel, this time it was Diogo Gonçalves running into that channel and not not Roman Yarimchuk, but uh, Diogo Gonçalves gets into that right flank, goes down the line, and then delivers a fantastic cross. And actually, he delivers a fantastic cross. And his cross lands right on right on the head of one Darwin Nunez, and actually, when you watch the slow motion replay, Darwin even mistimed this a little bit because when he heads the ball, he's actually coming back down. He jumped just slightly too early, but the ball was so well played and coming with such pace that even on his way down, he managed to get a solid uh, he managed to get solid contact on it off his forehead. And he put it right into the into the far corner. No chance for Bracali. Benfica take the lead, one nil in the thirteenth minute. Darwin Nunez off a cross from Diogo Gonçalves. Uh, in the fifteenth minute, uh, Jackson Porozo would win a free kick in his defensive half. He was fouled by Eremchuk. Um Otamendi forced to concede a corner in the sixteenth as he clears it uh, out past the end, the byline for a corner. And Benfica, though, in, in solid control here. Um, really, really no threat coming from, from Bovista at this point in the match. And in the 24th, we have a, we have a, an injury, unfortunately. Um, for Bovishta, Yanis Hamach, the French player, would go down with an injury. Uh, it didn't look so bad on, uh, on the live action, it didn't look so bad. Even in the replay, he was caught a little bit by Diogo Monsalves, but it was enough to say that he needed a substitution. On came Philippe Ferreira. And Philippe Ferreira, of course, the son of a former Benfica player. And now his his father's name is is escaping me at the moment. But uh, his father was a Benfica player in the 1980s. He replaces Hamach in the 24th minute. In the 28th, 29th, excuse me, Bovisho with their first chance of the match. It is Gustavo Sawyer. Left footed shot from outside the box, but saved in the top center of the goal by Odi. Uh, Bovisho would win a free kick again here in the 30th in their defensive half. They would get the ball, push it up, uh, but Fico would collect it in their defensive third. And in trying to play out of the back, Lucas Verissimo plays it to Uli and Weigel, and Weigel turns under pressure. And perhaps takes a little too heavy of a touch than, and, or he takes too heavy of a touch more than he would have liked. And Weigel turns, thinking he's turning away from pressure. But what happens is uh, Sebastian Perez reads it, and the Colombian it actually, rather than going, rather than pressing onto Ulian's back, he starts going. He reads the turn, and he he basically beats Ulian to the spot he's turning to. And as soon as Ulian's turned. He sees the ball tapped away from him by Perez right onto the left foot of Gustavo Sawyer. And the Brazilian scores an absolute highlight reel of a goal. It was Gustavo Sawyer making it 1-1 in the 31st minute with a shot from outside the box. A nice assist for Sebastián Perez. But uh, an absolutely uh, an absolute worldie of a goal there for Gustavo Sawyer. The Brazilian puts it in the top corner. No chance for for Lima on that one. And just like that, the stadium goes a little bit silent as you know. Weigel makes a crucial mistake, and honestly, I can hear. If my father was not at work at this point and he was watching, <laughs> I know I would have. He would have been texting me right away because as soon as Weigel makes a mistake, it's like it's like uh, he notices it. Um, and I, as you guys all know, I'm very big on, on Julian Weigel. I'm a big fan of his, and uh, yeah, he made a mistake here and. The question always is not whether or not you make mistakes, but it's how you react and how you come back from them, of course, because players all make mistakes. Cristiano Ronaldo makes mistakes. Lionel Messi makes mistakes. Okay, Kylian Mbappé makes mistakes. So it's not about... Nobody plays mistake-free. Um, unfortunately, this one was costly, of course, because he, he made this mistake five five meters outside his own penalty area, and it led to a goal for, for Boavista, but... Just a few minutes later, he gets it back as we get a foul against um, a foul against Rodrigo Abascal. He fouls Diogo Salvage. And then if he can opt for the short free kick rather than whipping it in. So what happens is João Mario carries the ball three or four steps before he whips in the cross. Which was, which was a nice... I like this play call and I like... How this team has, how should I say? I like the efficiency we're getting from this team on set pieces this season. They're starting to look more like a JJ team in regard to the set pieces. And what happened here was as as Romario starts to carry the ball, a cup, just a couple of steps is all it took. He made he made Bovista's back line make a decision: do they step out or do they hold their line? you know, right ar- right around the penalty spot and wait for that ball that's eventually going to come in. Well, that, that moment of indecision was enough to essentially freeze them, okay? Basically, Boavista's back line froze, just like they did on Darwin Nunez's goal, to be honest. He was not marked at all. Uh, Darwin wasn't on the first goal. And on this one, the marking w- was atrocious. They completely froze, not sure what to do. But João Mario then delivers a perfect pass, a perfect cross, excuse me, to the far post. Right on to the head of Nicolas Otamendi, who very intelligently heads it back across the face of goal. Rather than trying to sneak it in the near post with a very tight angle, Otamendi heads it back across the face of goal. And again, at this point, what you've done now by putting it back against the face of goal is that you have forced Boavista's back line. I talk about this all the time, and teams don't do this enough. You force Boavista's back line to completely turn and face their own goal. And when their players are turning to face their own goal, they lose sight of their marks. And as the ball's coming across the face of goal, it's right onto the head of, you guessed it, Uli and Vigel, the man who had just made a crucial mistake and just given away a goal. He 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 says, don't worry, I got you. Vigel gets on the end of Otamendi's ball. And Vigel heads it into the goal. And it's quickly 2-1 to, to Benfica. One, so Benfica re gained the lead just a few minutes later. It was all of two minutes after Boavista had had pulled level. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for the Panthers to to concede so quickly after equalizing. But it's exactly what Befica needed. It's exactly what Weigel needed. And how many times when you watch football do you see a player make a mistake like this? And I'm thinking, let's you know, for those of you that watch the Champions League, you know, and watch all the matches or follow it real closely, you know, Jesse Lingard of Manchester United made a horrible mistake last week, right? Gave the game away, uh, allowing young boys to upset Manchester United on a just an absolute you know, mental lapse of a play. Similar here for Weigel. Weigel, though, he does not put his head down. He does not feel sorry for himself. He does not even say anything. He just goes back to playing. And what is... The most German thing someone can do is just to completely erase the memory and continue. And Weigl does that. And two minutes later, he puts the ball in the goal. bank. He got back ahead, and it's another goal off a set piece. A very nice header from Otamendi right onto Weigl, who then who then puts it in the goal. Like we said, his teammates mob him. They know what this means. His teammates are excited. He's excited. You can see the player has is really part of the core of this club now. Okay uh he had a hard adaptation to portuguese football to benfica to benfica nation to jorge jesus it was just you know he was brought in by bruno lage bruno lage gets sacked you know nelson verissimo doesn't really get the best out of him he has his his hard times with jorge jesus last season fast forward the clock you know about 8 months or so and here we are and he is an absolutely crucial piece of uh, of jorge jesus's benfica here and he shows his value here and he shows his fortitude, shows just how committed and just how professional he can be. And like I said, in the most German way possible, Julian Weigl makes it 2-1 for Benfica. And that will take us to halftime. We do get a yellow card for Nathan for a bad foul on Rafa in this one. And um, as we move forward, we get a substitution here as we go into the second half, Um João Pedro Souza decides to make a substitution for Boavista, as does Jorge Zouj for Benfica. So Boavista send on Paul George Netep in place of Kanji Gore, and George Zouj sends in Valentino Lazaro. The Austrian replaces Diogo Gonçalves. My, my homie Nico Torres there calling the game for Goal TV here in the United States in English. Wasn't sure why why he would have yanked Diogo Salves in this one. And it's just, JJ has this thing about switching out the the wingbacks. And when you add, when you give a manager five substitutions, all of a sudden, they all manage as if they have to use all five substitutions. If they don't, that's the first criticism that they're going to receive. If things don't go well, is that they didn't use all five substitutions. In the beginning, managers were a little more hesitant. Nope. Uh, Now they're, they're using all five substitutions. And, um, the right back is always substituted. Not just in George Azusa's team, but in so many teams now in world football wing backs. I and I think actually that the five substitution rule is a big reason you see so many three five twos and three four threes now. Because if you only had three substitutions and you couldn't substitute you couldn't afford to substitute outside backs you would not see so many of them playing as wingbacks and, and having to cover this much space because they would never last okay a lot of them would not last playing that type of uh you know playing wing back like that 90 minutes every single match but now you had a couple extra substitutions and they know they're probably not going to play 90 so they're going hard they're running up and down the pitch a lot more and um that was it for Diogo Gonçalves After that very nice assist on on uh, Darwin's goal, his day is done at halftime. Um, and Lazaro comes in, so he's still Lazaro is still getting adapted. My answer to Nino would have been, I think JJ is just trying to give Lazaro minutes. He's trying to get him acclimated. Um, honestly, I think he's probably JJ's guy. To be honest, that he wants in that position permanently. So we haven't, we didn't get to see Gilberto today. Although we'll talk about Gilberto in an upcoming segment when we talk about some of the matches, when we talk about the Tondela match uh, specifically. But, but yeah, in this one, um, it is Lazaro coming on to get some more minutes, get his rhythm uh, going. He's got v- virtually no no preseason, just like Yarimchuk. So uh, they're kind of doing preseason as they go. And the second half begins, and it's actually Boavista who come out on the front foot here, and they have a. Sh- Odie comes up with a big save in the 46th minute. Pedro Mayeru, right-footed shot from the right side of the box saved in the bottom right corner. He was set up by Gustavo Sawyer. Uh, one minute later, another save for Odiseish. This time, Paul George's natep, the substitute, left-footed shot from the left side of the box saved in the bottom left corner. And uh, the Greek international goalkeeper being kept on his toes here. Befica struggling a little bit to start the second half, and this was not exactly what Befica nation would have wanted here. And it's Gustavo Sawyer again, left-footed shot, but this time it was a little too high. Uh, Yarumchuk would would win a free kick in the 50th minute, kind of help, uh, kind of help. Slow things down a little bit. Help if he could get a little bit out of their end. He's fouled by Jackson Peroso. And uh, he has an attempt of his own in the 52nd minute right-footed shot from outside the box. But it's saved in the top right corner by Bracali. Bracali makes a real nice save. Rafa Silva uh, played Yaremchuk through on a through ball. And he first timed it from just outside the box. But uh, Bracali makes a save in the top corner. Keeping it 2-1. In the 53rd minute, um, Lucas is called for a foul on Sebastian Perez. Here's the play I, I was looking for. It's the 54th minute, and it is uh, Benfica squandering the opportunity to go up 3-1 to one as Grimaldo delivers a really nice outswinging cross from the left right on to Lucas Verissimo's head. Lucas, though, doesn't get all of it. He gets too far under the ball. And heads it high and wide. Isn't able to get up high enough to to knock it down towards the far post. Befika really unlucky not to go ahead by two there. We keep moving forward now. And Lucas goes in the referees book for a foul in the fifty-eighth minute on Paul George Natep. Natep um, is that he's rolling around in a little bit of agony there after it in the Brazil international. Lucas Veríssimo sees the yellow card. So, um, Bifika needing to regroup a little bit, but starting to gain control back of the match. Boavista trying to find a way to get forward, trying to get a way to rescue a point here. And they have another attempt in the 60th. It is Peter Musa with a header from the center of the box. Odi makes a beautiful save to parry it over the bar for a corner kick nothing comes of it still in the 60th though on the counter and uh, the ball is played into space for Rafa this is off of the corner but if he could break out fast on a counter and i believe it's João Mário plays the ball into space for Rafa Rafa using his pace gets in behind he's go he looks like he's going in on goal for himself and we all cr- we all know what Rafa can do and what he's not so strong at and decision making in the box is not Rafa's strength when he has to react he does well when he has time to think about it he sometimes you know makes the wrong decision or his execution lets him down but on this one Rafa doesn't even look he just slides it across the face of the slides it across the penalty area all right you can see the ball on a straight line go right over the penalty spot towards the far post where he knows Darwin Nuñez is arriving Darwin with the inside of his right foot, redirects it right into the empty goal because the goalkeeper was out coming out to play Rafa. Rafa sensed that and slid it across goal. Very nice play from Rafa. And to give Darwin a little bit of credit here because for a player whose confidence is not at an all-time high right now, he has the, the wherewithal and he has the sense to actually lift the ball just a little bit as he taps it in because... Um, Jackson was coming across goal sliding. Had Darwin not picked the ball, you know, a little bit up off the ground, had he not given it a little bit of a chip, this tap in would have been blocked right on the line by Jackson. But Darwin, smart and executes well, puts just enough underneath it to pop it up and over. Jackson and into the goal. Three to one to Benfica at the hour mark. Another double for Darwin Nunez. He is now approaching the top of the scoring charts in the league. He that is his fourth in the Liga. The Liga uh Portugal B win, as we call it now, the former Liga Naj. And Benfica now start to see the, the result go out. I mean, uh Bovista make a few attempts here. In the sixty third, it's Peter Musa with the right footed shot from the center of the box, but he misses left. Um, we get a couple substitutions now, and in the 65th, George Azouz sends on Everton Subolinia. Everton replaces Yaremchuk. Everton's a player, I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing get a little bit of rest right now. Um, again, if you listen to the other Benfica content that, you know, independent content, not what the club is putting out, but what fans are putting out, podcasters and YouTubers are putting out, bloggers, um, there's pretty much, pretty much, uh, consent, you know, Overwhelming consensus that Everton needs a little bit of a rest. Everton is showing the signs of wear. Everton is fatigued. Everton has not had an off season in now two seasons. This is a sec- he's going on his second season without a an off season. We know what he can do. He showed us what he can do at the end of the last season. Okay, um, it wouldn't it would not hurt Everton if he were shut down for two weeks. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. We have the depth in the squad. To replace him, you can give an opportunity to co- for another player to come off the bench, a player who's more on form right now. I w- this is what I would do. He can't, I don't think JJ can do this because this is a professional team. A lot of money was invested in Everton. They don't, the club does not want to see him, you know, temporarily shut down. But I think that's what would be best for the player. Shut him down for two weeks and then integrate him back into the team as a substitute, working his way back up. Um, because he is a very, very talented player, we all know that. Okay, we've all seen what he can do when he's feeling well, when he's fit. Um, that's not where he is right now. He's still also, and I, I'll save this for for when we talk about other matches. But he does a lot of things that others don't do in that position, and that needs. If we're gonna criticize him, we also have to be cognizant of the different things he does do when he's in there. Um, he gets a run out here in the 65th minute replacing the Ukrainian international, Roman Yadimchuk. And we get an attempt in the 71st minute for Darwin again. He had the chance for the hat trick here. Uh, Grimaldo plays him in on a through ball. Beautiful. He gets in behind. He's running at that angle he likes from the left center channel towards goal with the ball on his right foot on the inside. The only thing he has to do is slide it past Bracali, but Br- Brakali has excellent reflexes on this one. And Bracali goes down at just the precise moment, makes the save, denying Darwin the hat trick. Uh, that was as close as Benfica were probably going to get to to getting a a fourth goal. In the 75th, Bovich to make a substitution. Luis Santos replace Pedro Molheiro. 78th, it's Everton with the header from the center of the box. But it was saved in the top left corner. He gets on the end of a cross from Valentino Lazaro. Bracali makes the save, conceding another corner kick. We get a substitution in the 79th. On comes Rodrigo Pino. For Darwin Nunez. I'll talk about Rodrigo a little bit in the next segment. Um, I like this guy. I like this Rodrigo Pino. I like what he brings to the team. I like that he brings a different skill set than what the others have. Um, An opportunity for Bovis in the 80th. Another save for for Odi in the bottom left corner. This time, Peter Musa with the shot. Substitution for Bovis in the 81st. Yusufa Nije replaces Sebastián Pérez. And uh, Makuta of Bovishta with an opportunity missed in the 82nd. Right foot shot from a difficult angle. left Too far left and too high from a direct free kick. And then we get a substitution in the 88th. Or double substitution really in the 88th. Uh, PZ comes on for Rafa. And Moratu replaces Lucas Verissimo. Not sure if Lucas asked to come out. I didn't watch the presser today. I started recording this instead because I want to get a couple episodes recorded here in the same day so I can get more content out to you guys to catch up. Uh, so I didn't listen to JJ's presser. I would love to, to know, um, you know, why why he's... Saw the necessity to swap out a right center back and replace him with a left center back and then have to reshuffle the back three with two minutes to play. I know it's a two-goal lead, but um, I'm assuming Lucas had signaled that he needed to come out. Um, and that that really sums up the match. The referee blows his whistle. Hugo Miguel blows his whistle for full time. At ninety plus five, let's take a look at some of the statistics here. I'll, I'll give you guys the player ratings. These player ratings come from Fop Mob and not from Goal Point. Um, actually, I have the Goal Point. Let me let me change course here. Let's uh, let's go to the Goal Point for this one rather. Um, bringing it up here. All right, so the Goal Point has here for the player ratings, starting with Boavista, a team average rating of five point six seven. With an ex- expected goals an xG of 0.4, uh, Bracali in goal gets a 5.8, Mayedo 5.5, Nathan 4.8, uh, Jackson Porozo, 6.0, um, Abascal, uh, Rodrigo Abascal that is 6.0, Hamash 4.6 substituted early of course from a injury, Mokuta 5.7, Saba Perez 5.5. Gustavo Sawyer was their best player, and actually he was the man of the match according to Mob here. Uh, he earns himself a 7.4 with a goal, um, making him the man of the match. And we got a goal for, well, you're not listening live, but um, I i just got the alert. Sporting Braga have scored at the Pedreira. Uh, against Tondela 1-0 to Sporting Braga now here as they are in the final match of round six. Uh, moving on with the ratings, Gore has a 5.0, Musa, 5.0. And then off the bench, Felipe Ferreira, 5.5, uh, Netep 5.5, Luis Sanchez, 5.3. Benfica, on the other hand, have an XG of or expected goals of 2.6. Average team rating is 6.02. Vlacodimo in goal. in goal has a 6.3. Another um, Not a clean sheet, but another good performance from him. Uh, Diogo Salves, 5.9. Lucas Ferissimo, 5.0. Nicolas Otamendi, Befica's highest-rated player today, believe it or not. The center back has a 7.0 according to this algorithm. Uh, Jan Vertonghen, 5.7. And Grimaldo, 5.4. Julian Weigl, 6.3. João Mario 6.0. Uh, Rafa, 6.9. Rafa right now one of maybe the most informed player in a Benfica kit right now. He's just playing at a very high level. Um and yeah, when when he has space to run, he's dangerous. That's what it comes down to when uh when teams you know, when when teams play too low of a deep lying block and he can't get in between the lines, he has a hard time, but uh Boavista tried to come out and play, they tried to come forward. They were not successful. Their manager said as much in the flash interview. I did hear João Pedro Sousa's flash interview, and he said that they tried and failed to to come here and be courageous and to play and to try to go forward. Um, When they did, they did leave space for Rafa. So Rafa's assist comes from, you know, comes from Bovista pushing guys forward and trying to get the equalizer on a a set piece. Uh, Rafa needs that space, so... um, you know, as long as there's there's running lanes for him and, and ways for him to get in behind and use his space, Rafa is Benfica's most dangerous player. Uh, Darwin with two goals only earning a six point five. I find that a little bit interesting because typically goals are weighted so heavy in this in this uh, algorithm, but um, he ends up with just a six point five, same as Yarimchuk. Lazaro off the bench is a five point two. Everton a four point seven, and then Rodrigo Pino. Uh, PZ and Moratu not on the pitch long enough to earn a rating. So moving to the stats, shots, total shots won actually by Boavista. We talked about how many saves uh, Odie made today. And each team had six shots on goal. Uh, Benfica with 15 actions in the opponent's area penalty area. 15 to 7, that is. Uh, Boavista with seven. Uh, Benfica with five corners to Boavista's. If you with another good 85% pass efficiency, 62% of them uh, vertical. So 62% vertical pass efficiency as Braga have gone up 2-0 now. They've scored again. Um, the defensive actions in the opponent's midfield. This battle was won by Bovista today. They played hard. They played high. They uh, made a lot. They tried to press where they could. Their goal came from the press, obviously, and they tried to do that. The manager did say he tried to do that more. They weren't as successful as they would have liked to be, but they did succeed, you know, at times. And you can see here from that statistic that they had twenty actions in Benfica's midfield, much more than Benfica had in theirs. Um, and then in committed fouls, Benfica, quote unquote, win that battle, sixteen to thirteen. Possession was to Benfica sixty-seven percent to thirty-three. And, you know, that pretty much wraps up round six and wraps up this match with Boavista. I figure we'll go through the table now, even though we're going to talk about some past matches in a moment. So, after six rounds, and this is including. This is including the match. This is a live uh, table right now. I'll have the table up on uh as soon as the round is complete. Um, but this is a live table right now, remembering that one match is in action still. Uh, that is, of course, Praga and uh, Tondela still in action. And it is currently it is currently 2-0 in the 85th minute in that one. So, yeah. Um, This table will reflect Braga winning that match as it stands right now. Uh, Benfica, top of the table, as we know. Six matches, six victories. That, of course, means 18 points and uh, 16 goals. Four, three against. A very good goal difference. And Benfica now with the highest goal-scoring tally in the league and joint top in fewest goals allowed. Second place right now. The tiebreaker goes to Porto because... Uh, they have 4 victories, 2 draws. They have 11 points. Sorry, they have 14 points. 4 behind Befica. And they have the tiebreaker. Right for right now, it's on goal difference because they drew with Sparthing. And therefore, uh, they have the tiebreaker on Sparthing. And both teams have 14 points. So, Sparthing in 3rd, same identical record. Sparthing with 10 goals for uh, 3 against. Whereas, Porto have 14 for 3 against. And Tondela have scored. It's 2-1 now at the Pedreira. Um, so I'm still gonna read Braga when I get to them, um, with three points, but it could, this could change. So, uh, disclaimer there for that. Uh, fourth place belongs to Istriel right now. They were heartbroken to lose 1-0 on a penalty to Sparthing this weekend. They have four victories, one loss, one defeat, nine goals for, four goals allowed for a plus five-goal difference, 13 points right now. For Isturil. Fifth is Braga On 11 points Assuming they hold on And win this match Three victories Two draws One defeat Eight four Four against And uh, a plus four Goal difference On 11 points Sixth place Portimonense On 10 points Seventh is Gil Vicente With eight Also Also with Eight is Bovista And de Ferreira Vitória Guimarães Our next opponents Are Tenth with Seven points while Maritimo, Vizela are 10, 11th and 12th, respectively, on 6 points. Roca has 5 there in 13th place. Santa Clara is trying to dig themselves out of the basement after a good European campaign, at least preliminary stage campaign, earlier in the season, which obviously caused them to rotate their squad and to save players, um, which saw them you know, pass up points they would normally giveaway. They're in 14th right now with 4 points and they'll be looking to dig out of that sooner rather than later. 15th place right now is Moreirenz and actually we have 4 teams at the bottom of the table all with 3 points. So 15th belongs to Moreirense, uh 16th to Famalicão 17th to Blynish Sad. and right now 18th is Tondela. They all have 3 points. However, if Tondela can steal a point here, they would move they would move ahead of Santa Clara. They would move into 14th if they can steal a late equalizer at the Pedreira. But that is where the league table is right now. We look at the league leaders. Okay, so we're going to look at the scoring leaders real quickly. After six rounds, Porto's Luis Diaz is the top goal scorer with five goals, none from the penalty spot. Darwin Nunez, our Darwin is second, tied second with Fran Navarro of Gil Vicente. They both have four goals each. And then we have we have five players tied with three goals. They are André Luiz of Moreirense, uh, uh, Tony Martinez of Porto, Gustavo Sawyer of Boavista, Pot of Sporting, and Medi Taremi of Porto. Of all those players, only Teremi has scored from the penalty spot. So that wraps up the league leaders right now. Okay, And what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a quick little break here. And on the other side, we're going to talk about the other two matches, the previous two rounds. Uh, I think we're going to start with round four against Tondela. And then we'll finish up with round five against uh, Santa Clara. I'll break down those two matches quickly. And um, that will wrap up this episode. So sit tight. All right. Get yourself a sag. Crack it open. BeFika are top of the league. Enjoy. I'll be right back with more. In the meantime, check out www.mrbefica.com. And... Um, see what you got there, and don't forget also to follow on YouTube. This episode's not available on YouTube, but still go to the Mr. Bafika YouTube page and and uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell next to it so you can be alerted anytime I go live on YouTube. I'm going to resume video podcasts in October, okay? I'm having a little issue with my internet provider as I've been talking about for months now, but starting October. On- October first, I will have much faster internet, and that should resolve the issue. I got a brand new router, so there should be no more issues going forward. So um, very soon, I'll be returning to video content, but this one is only available where you ever you get your podcast. So go ahead, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, Pod uh, Podbean, Castbox, Pocketcasts—you name it. There, there's a million. There is a million uh, podcast uh, platforms out there. Mr. Benfica is on most of them. And if you're not sure and you have an Amazon Echo, just say, Alexa, play Mr. Benfica Podcast. And they will and the bot will play Mr. Benfica so check it out All right, where whatever you use um, please subscribe if you haven't already and drop a 5 star rating if possible as I keep trying to grow this base and also um, follow the show on Twitter at Benfica Mr. trying to get to 1000 followers now I'm at like 868 or something like that I want to get to 1000 followers before the end of 2021 alright that is the goal so please if you haven't go to Twitter at Benfica Mister and hit the follow button.
1: I'll be right back.
0: All right, uh, right after this break. <laughs> So many idols come, so many idols go But in the end, man, I don't know <laughs> yeah. And welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 124 I'm the Mr. Mike Agostinho here with you again And during the break, uh, I'm actually reading Lateral Squerdo As you guys know, that's one of my favorite websites www.lateralsquerdo.com That's ww.l-a-t-e-r-a-l-e-s- Q-U-E-R-D-O dot com. And their headline right now is, uh, of course, you have to read in Portuguese, but you can easily translate it in Google. Um, they, they're they talking about Benfica and the the model do jogo, the, the game, the model that they're playing. More of a system than a model uh, when you translate it. But how each game, it gets better and better and better. And Benfica continuing to get the results they talk about how each time Benfica play with the three-man back line, it continues to uh, to improve and to get better. Listen, the back three for me is, is mandatory in this team. There is very few occasions where where I would go to a back four. One of them was in that PSV match when you went down to 10. That I understood. Now, I, I bring that up right now, the back three, because I know it is kind of a divisive situation. Um, it's a divisive topic right now in Benfica Nation, and I'm, I'm going through Twitter looking for people who still are tired of seeing us play with a back three against these teams, looking at it from a, a perspective I don't agree with, to be honest, because I don't see it as a defensive perspective. I see it as a much more attacking. It allows both uh, wingbacks to be much more attack-minded, and it leaves with, with Weigel and with Dromadio in that central corridor. I think it protects the team much better and allows if you could to take more chances going forward um it's not a back five unless the other team is pressing you and to be honest in my opinion if the other team is all over you then the back five is is appropriate if if, if it, it flexes into a back five it's it it would be appropriate under those circumstances but anyway'm i going through Twitter here and I'm just looking at some of the some of the different uh, reactions to today's game as well. Before we move on, um, a lot of a lot of people are Darwin Nunez fans. All of a sudden, the same people who were calling him to, to be sold and to be dropped from the team, calling him a flop today, they're very happy with him. Um, I saw a tweet here, and I probably won't find it now <laughs> that I'm thinking, but um, that that caught my eye, and I wanted to read it, but now it, it is disappearing from my feed. But uh, a lot of talk also about uh, about um, centre back Jackson there, and how interesting he could be on a Benfica team. You know that already has a, an ageing back three, and he plays well in. You know he plays well in a back three as the right centre back. He would be a natural uh, substitute for for Lucas Verissimo. Of course, right now, in my opinion, the the substitute for Lucas Verissimo was Andre Almeida. Notice he did not get in today. Um, but yeah, I, I like I thought Jackson was very good. I'm gonna talk about this for just a minute because um like I said, Nino Nino Torres on Gold T V was is very high on him Ecuadorian player. He's familiar with the South American players. And he talked about the pace that, that Ecuadorians just seem to have. It seems like all the pacey players in South America come from Ecuador. And um Jackson is no no different, okay? And I, I thought he was I was impressed the way he was keeping pace with Rafa today. Okay, part of the reason Rafa wasn't as dominant as he has been is because Jackson was able to get out in front of him with his bigger body and his pace and not allow Rafa to get in behind as often as we've seen him be able to do. And yeah, I'm starting to think that the the notion of someone like him as one of our backups would be pretty exciting, but Jackson's a 21 year old uh, defender. He. He's a right center back. And I think he, he's in the right place at Boavista where he plays all the time. But he's definitely a player to keep an eye on, no doubt about it. And I talk about lateral schier. We'll talk about Benfica in the back three. I'm going to use that as the segue to go back to round four now. Benfica versus Tondela. This one was also at the Stadio de Luz. And this was one where JJ experimented a little bit. It was in between. Um, it was right before... Uh, Actually, let me see. It was right on the heels of a European uh, midweek match, of course, at Eindhoven, the one we talked about in in the last episode. And, um, well, Benfica uh, knew, or I should say JJ knew, after this match, we're going into an international break. Okay, so it would be about 10 days with no matches, or two weeks even, without any matches, um, which on the surface sounds like a much welcomed break. I know a lot of... A lot of uh, those of us that, that cover this team or talk about this team, we're looking forward to it. But then with a little bit more thought, you realize that a lot of our players are not getting a break. They're going to play for their national teams. And now we have these, these controversial, if you will, uh, international windows where teams are cramming three matches into a week, um, you know, into eight or nine days. And, um, well, that was concerning going into this match. So, J.J., knowing that, and, again, I if you think I've changed my tune on JJ listen I'm trying to rate JJ as honestly and fairly as possible okay If you had to listened to me talk when he was at Flamengo okay I was so high on 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 Flamengo JJ okay I admit I didn't think he was the right choice to go to Benfica after Bruno Lage I thought that that the direction the club was going in needed someone with a different mentality, someone with a different I don't know if you want to say personality, but somebody with a different philosophy. But, you know, Luis Felipe Vieta panicked. His his spot as president was on the line and the team had just had its worst season or one of it or what they thought was one of their worst seasons in, in many years, coming in second place. But uh, you know, he he showed the money and brought JJ back from Brazil. And um I saw it as a, a wait-and-see thing. Um, I was excited when it happened, hoping that he was going to be the J.J. we had, you know, from 2000, I'd say 2013 to 2000 till he left. You know, those last two seasons really was were his best and his first season. Um, last season, that was not the case. He was not that J.J., but it's starting to look more like a J.J. team now. And, um, well... He's also changed his style of play a bit, okay? And we talk about the three-man back line. And as soon as Lucas Verissimo was signed, okay, as soon as Lucas Verissimo was signed, JJ knew what to do. He put this team in a back three. He knew he needed it. He knew he couldn't have Jan and Otamendi as a back two, as a center-back pairing, okay? You can't play a back four with those two. There's just not any pace there, especially when you're outside backs, on one side you have Grimaldo, on the other side you had Andre Almeida. Okay, the pace is not there. The defensive ability only Andre Almeida at that time had the defensive ability, and he's he's also a converted outside back. Remember, he used to play as a holding midfielder a long, long time ago when he came to the club. But um, JJ stuck with this, and I, I give him credit. Okay, he did not necessarily do a good job coaching last season, or at least managing. He did a good job in the development of Diogo Salvage. He did a good job adopting the three-five-two slash three-four-three. Depending how well we're playing is really what dictates which one of those formations we turn into. And I liked as soon as he did it, I liked it. Okay, and I felt always that that was where this team needs to go. If this is the personnel we have, and you know, you watch the Euro Euro twenty twenty, and there's just so many three man backlines, right? That's just. And I said again, the five the five substitutions um, facilitates that. I don't know that you would see it this commonly if we were still holding teams to three substitutions. You look in England where they where they've gone back to having only three substitutions. Like they think FIFA is gonna gonna move back to that at some point and I don't think they will I think five subs is here to stay but you see a lot less of the three three three-man back line in the English Premier League than you see in continental Europe but again going into this Tondela match okay JJ knew and again like I said I try to judge him fairly and I think this season he has gotten just about everything right Okay, he's gotten a lot of things right, especially in the games we're talking about in this in this episode. He decides to go to a back four in this one against Tombella. Okay, and I think that that at the time, I said you know, I was a little bit I was a little bit uh, weary of it. But I I started to realize, you know, as soon as Elder Conduto in the pregame said that, you know, we knew we wouldn't have Otamendi for the Santa Clara match the following the round five match because he was going to play 48 hours before for Brazil. At that time, we didn't think we'd have Lucas... Sorry, not for Brazil, for Argentina. At that time, we did not think we would have Lucas Verissimo either because he was scheduled to play on Thursday. This match was on Saturday. So it was it was very unlikely those two guys were going to be there. You cannot do a back three without those two guys. Absolutely not. Um, we didn't know what type of condition Jan Vertonghen would come back from playing for Belgium in. Okay, so obviously J.J. sees that in round five he may have to go to a back four. Santa Clara, I think, being rated as a tougher opponent in his mind, and his staff's mind, especially on the road, Van um, Tondela, I think he thought that he would had to use this match as somewhat of a dress rehearsal. Plus, he had players that were fatigued. Okay, he had Otamendi fatigued. He had just played 90 minutes. Okay. He had. Um, he didn't have Grimaldo available, it looks like. Uh, or, uh, not Grimaldo, excuse me. Uh, Gilberto was dropped to the bench. Diogo Gonçalves, not available. Okay? I think Diogo Gonçalves was still su- serving a suspension in this one. I'm double checking that. But Diogo Gonçalves is not even a substitute uh, for this match against Tondela. So. You can't play Andre Almeida as a right wing back. You know that. Okay, so you either run Grimaldo again. There I go again. Gilberto, not Grimaldo, excuse me. Grimaldo played this whole match. You either run Gilberto down the right flank again, three days after he ran, you know, he ran his, his legs off against PSV. Um, or, or you go with Andre Almeida. And you can't put Andre Almeida, like I said, in a back three as a wing back. He just does not have the the lungs to, to or the fitness. He's been injured to, to cover that type of, of distance, you know, over 90 minutes. It's just not an option. Uh, you knew you had probably about 45 minutes or so of Andre Almeida. You probably knew you had about 45 minutes or so of Gilberto. And I think wisely um, in this one. I think wisely JJ chose the four four two because well, first of all you need to try it to know if you can do it. And they had just they just played a four four one for much of the match in Eindhoven. And you have some other fatigue issues, so some guys were dropped here. Um, so here you know, he made a little bit of an experimental lineup, but I think he got most of it right here and I for me this match showed that this team cannot play in a 442. He, you have to find a way to put three in the back because we just do not have the pace in the center back position. Okay. Cuz when you only have two, they both have to be they both have to have some, some pace. Or you're going to open up huge channels and you're not going to be able to run down anybody that gets in behind. And it showed in this match. But first, I will give you the Tondela 11. They played a 3-5-2. Their manager, Francisco Ayestarán, the Spaniard, had Babacar in goal. Jota Gonçalves, uh, Eduardo Koreshma, and Nayul Kaisef as the three in the back. The wing backs are Thiago Almeida and Neto Borges, the three center uh, midfielders. Pedro Augusto holding down the fort as the as the holding mid with João Pedro to his left and Iker uh Iker Andabarena as uh, to his right. The attackers Daniel dos Anjos and Salvador Agra. Salvador Agra, one of those players that has a history, you know, with us both in scoring goals against us and playing for teams, you know, playing for low, l- lower level teams. Not level but lower. Um you know, lower-in-the-table teams, mid-to-low-table mid, mid to low table teams, and putting in very good performances against us. He was signed up by us, but never, never put on the jersey. You know, he was immediately loaned out. We loaned him everywhere. But he's a very good player, and for me, Salvador Agra is one of the top players in the Portuguese League, okay? Especially outside of the top three, or even the big four, okay? You separate the big four. You take out Benfica, Porto, Sporting, and Braga, and you use the remaining 14 teams. And Salvador Agra is probably the best player, or one of the best. He's at least one of the best five players left in those 14 teams. Um, he's at an age when you know big teams don't want him, but he's still at an age where he can play very, very well. And uh, he would make his mark in this match. He would find the space that was left wide open because we didn't because Vertonghen was not playing as a left center back, but as a left, but as a center back, and. Um, again this is why we can't play with 4 in the back please people stop thinking we can play 442 442 is a dinosaur it's it's it is there are situations where it works but i would not want that to be my base formation that's something you can so easily just shift back to when something doesn't work but very hard to come out of 442 into a different system so Benfica would come out in this one. Odie in goal. Okay, Andrea Almeida gets the start at right back. He's the captain. Lucas and Jan as the center back pairing. Uh, Grimaldo's the left back. The double pivot in midfield for this one was uh, was Mete and Romario as uh, Weigel was given a bit of a rest. Everton gets the start down the left. Peasy down the right. Um, Everton had himself a pretty good game in this one against Tondela. He was actually he was actually Benfica's highest-rated player, uh, except for Lucas Verissimo. So he was their second highest-rated player in this match. And then the the strikers were Gonzalo Ramush and Dar- Darwin Nunez. And I felt Darwin was not quite ready to play in this match. Um, I thought again, I thought he was rushed back from injury, but but he's getting better. And I'm saying this now here on Monday night, the twentieth of September, where I just I've seen him in back-to-back games now score two goals apiece. So Darwin is progressing. Darwin is making the progress we need. He he is ascending. But going back here to this match which was played back in August at the end of August, um I didn't think he was the right choice to partner with Gonzalo Ramos uh, on that day. But again, he's got to play to get form, to get fitness, to get in, you know, to get his fast twitch fibers back into game. Um Game shape, if you will. So, again, Befica surrender a goal in the first half here. And I'm going to pull up the exact description of what happened in that one. As as I said, it was Salvador Agra who found the channel between Grimaldo and Vertonghen. And I said this all last season that that left side scares me. Notice I haven't said that as much this year. Because this season... Well, Morato has filled in a lot and kind of assisted and, and helped out with that problem because Morato has a bit more pace than Vertonghen. But Salvador Agra finds the space between those two. And of course, Grimaldo, you know, he had just defended like he'd never defended before a few nights earlier in Eindhoven. And he comes into this one and it. it he didn't want to defend anymore. Let's be honest, he wanted to go forward. He's playing Tondela. He wants to go forward. Iker Undabarena plays a nice through ball into space. Okay, Agra gets in the channel. He's got too much pace for Vertonghen. Vertonghen can't close him down. Can't cut the angle. Um, Grimaldo's too far up the pitch to catch him. And from a somewhat difficult angle, Agra beats Odi to the far post. With an absolutely exquisite finish. Um, from From a somewhat tough angle, Odi seemed to have the angle covered. But he managed to get the ball. Just outside of Odie's reach, and then bending it back towards goal, and it just kisses the inside of the post and goes in. Benfica find themselves behind in the 21st minute. Okay, and Benfica will go to the locker room to at halftime losing and that would prompt some some changes from George Azuz. And i think he changed again one thing he's done fairly well this not fairly very well outside of the match that we're not going to talk about tonight that we'll talk about in the next episode the match against uh the match against dinamo kiev uh he has he has made substitutions that have strengthened the team each time and every change he makes has been a positive change, whether it gives him an advantage in the chess match with the other manager or whether it changes the look of Benfica and solves the problem they were dealing with at that particular time. At halftime, Gilberto replaces André Almeida, Rafa replaces Pizzi, this was the key substitution of course, and Weigl replaces Mete. Benfica with with Rafa, Weigl and João Mario on the pitch are a far better team than they are without them. And it shows right in the first minute. Romario has a right-footed shot from outside the box. Blocked by Eduardo Correjma, the on-loan sporting defender. And he's set up by Darwin Nunez. And one minute later, Darwin has an opportunity. as a header from the center of the box, but he misses to the right. Romario had delivered a nice cross there following a corner. Mefica start to take control of the match. Tundela retreat further and further and further um they try to counter a little bit and strengthen the midfield bringing in Pedro Augusto for it, Daniel dos Anjos and um Benfica just continue to press continue to go forward continue to look for the for the goal and I wasn't terribly terribly um nervous yet at this point okay i thought there was plenty of time left Benfica playing at home i i with the fans behind them i expected them to be able to rally and to get even all three points, but at the very least get one point. Knowing that in the following round, there was going to be the Sporting versus Porto Clásico, which was going to cause one of them. At the very least, one of them were going to drop points. So, Benfica needed, they needed to win, but at the very, very minimum, a point was was necessary. Lucas Verismo has a chance on a header in the 54th. Again, it's João Mario with a cross from a corner. And it, just misses. It's just high in the center of the box. Everton with an opportunity, a right foot shot uh, from outside the box, but he misses just right. He was set up by Gonzalo Ramos. Um, and this would be the last, if I'm not mistaken, that we'd see of Gonzalo Ramos up until the present moment. Um, Barena goes in the book for a foul on Rafa in the 57th. And then another key substitution, I think. Um, and again, I want to talk about this player. Rodrigo Pinu comes in, replaces Darwin Nunez, and this is when I really felt Darwin was not ready to play an hour. But you know, he probably needed to get that bad performance in, but to he needed to feel himself making those movements, making those cuts. Okay, he's coming off of surgery. He's going to be nervous about certain movements. They're not going to feel the way they used to just yet. So he had to. He had to go through that in order to when he is needed be more fit I understand that that's why he played an hour in this one when it didn't look good and all you know all of Twitter was calling him a flop and again we'll fast forward to tonight and well all of a sudden some of the same people are big fans of him but anyway Rodrigo Pino comes in and this is the first we see of Rodrigo Pino. Rodrigo comes in okay the first thing he does which I really like Lucas Verissimo plays a long diagonal pass right to his foot. Rodri puts his back to goal, receives the pass, holds the defender off, and is able to do that until he gets help, until João Mario um, and Rafa can get up close to him and provide support. We don't have another forward that does this, really. Our forwards, whether it's Seferovic, whether it's Yarimchuk, whether it's Darwin, whether it's Gonzalo Ramos, they want to go forward. They want to play facing goal. This is a guy that looks totally comfortable playing with his back to goal. This was a great signing because this, he brings a skill set that we don't have. And there are games that call for this, okay? And I know he, he missed a good portion of last season injured. He missed a good portion of the preseason injured. He came into this match and I think really helped Benfica settle the game a bit, take more control, and most importantly, gain territory deeper in Tondela's end. Um, Tondela try to counter. They make another substitution. Um, Ricardo Alves comes on for Neuel Kaisef, And they go to uh, they swap like-for-like like defenders, but they try to get freshen up because Benfica are starting to run at them, starting to get through. Okay? Um, 66th, Lucas Verissimo has another opportunity, another header from the center of the box, but he misses just to the right off another cross from, you guessed it, João Mario. Man, this João Mario fits on this team like a glove. I have to say, he fits on this team like a glove. And, um, it's like he's been on this team for years. I did never in a million years expect this easy of a transition for this player into our team. And I wish we had gotten him years ago, to be honest with you. Uh, What what a fantastic player, just doing the little things right. And just, he's just that link-up between, you know, there was a disconnect in the team last season. Bringing him in addressed that and corrected that. And in the 66th, he sets up Grimaldo with the left-footed shot from a difficult angle. But it was saved in the bottom left corner. Finally, in the 70th, we get, we get our equalizer, and it comes off of a corner. Okay, again, JJ is getting his mojo back in terms of set pieces. We are getting goals off set pieces once again. This was no different. Guess who took it? it w- obviously, it wasn't peasy that took it. He's not on the pitch anymore. It's Jules Mario. Jules Mario replacing peasy on set pieces. I think is a big reason we're getting goals because we're getting much better deliveries on these set pieces. On this one, he finds Ulian Weigel at the near post, not at the far post. Weigel heads it across goal right to Rafa, who stays on side. And Rafa puts a right-footed shot from the left side of the small of the goal area into the center of the goal, assisted from Weigel. 1-1. The luge comes alive, and now everybody with 20 minutes to go believes Benfica are going to find the winner here. Um, five minutes later, we get a substitution- and actually, we get a series of substitutions. First for Benfica, uh, Eris Seferovic comes on to replace Gonzalo Ramos. The Swiss Army knife um, gets his first action of the season, if I'm not mistaken. For Tondela, on comes Bebeto for Tiago Almeida. And Renat Dadashov replaces Daniel dos Anjos. Uh, As well as uh, Rafael Barbosa replacing Salvador Agra. So... Um, triple substitution for Rastayan on the Tondela bench. Mefica pushing forward, pushing forward. Um, another substitution in the 81st. And it's another one of our former players that, that were in our setup. Never made it through to the first team. But the Venezuela international. Johnny Morillo comes on for Iker. Undabarena. And um, because of an injury to Undabarena. But. Again, Murillo in the past, Murillo has given us a difficulty just like Agra. Okay, he's a player that has caused issues for us, playing mostly for Tondela, running at our, our backline, you know, exploiting some of our lack of pace. So this was a little bit concerning. And Odi had to come up with a save in the 83rd minute. Rafael Barbosa, right footed shot from outside the box, saved in the bottom right corner by Odi. Um, Mefica though, pressing on, believing. All right, 86th minute, Rodrigo Pinho has a left-footed shot from long range, but it is blocked. He tries to get it, but on the on the bounce back, the ball gets played out wide, and again, it is João Mario finding space down on the right. João Mario combining with with, with Rafa, getting it back to João Mario, playing it across the face of goal, and Gilberto gets on to the end of it. Okay? Uh, And Gilberto, with a futsal-styled toe poke from about four meters away, manages to poke it in in the 87th. The stadium erupts. Gilberto scores. He flexes his muscles in his celebration. The team mobs him. He seems to be a very well-liked member of this team as the whole team celebrated with him. A late goal. Putting Benfica in front in the 87th. Preserving the 100% record. And that's where that one ends. Benfica 2, Tondela 1. And Benfica pick up three more points. When it looked like they could have uh, fallen from the pack. Because at this point, um, you know, uh, Porto and Sporting uh, picked up results. So that goes to the, the following week. Okay. We move to round five. And we'll run through this one. Somewhat quickly because it has already been quite a bit here. We're going well over. We're going near. We're approaching an hour and a half now on this episode. So, Um, it is Santa Clara hosting Benfica. The international window comes and goes. Okay, Otamendi and Verissimo arrive in Punta del. They fly from, and I don't even think they were flying together, but they fly from South America from their you know different locations in South America to Madrid. Madrid to Lisbon. Lisboa to Ponta Delgada. And they both arrive on Saturday. Both having had played on Thursday night. But knowing that Lucas Verissimo not eligible to play in the Champions League first group stage match. Because he had picked up the red card in Eindhoven. JJ rolls the dice. Takes a chance. It ultimately pays off. Again, like I said, he seems to, he's seemed to get these right this season. And he puts, he puts Lucas Verissimo into the starting lineup a mere 36 hours after he had played his his he had played for his country here's the lineups on this one all right Stadiu de Miguel, Ponta Delgada 352 for Santa Clara it is Marco Rocha in goal Ken, Kennedy Boateng, João and Pedro Enrique in the back former Orlando City player Rafael Ramush is the right, right wing back he's also a former Benfica youth player Mansoor, the left wing back The trio in the center of midfield is Lincoln, Anderson, Carvalho, and it is um, Hidimasa Morita, the Japanese international player who had just returned from Japan as well. And the strike pairing was Krizan and Rui Costa. Benfica returns to the 3-4-3. Thankfully, the 4-4-2 doesn't work, like I said. JJ recognizes it, even so much so that he opts to play Lucas Verissimo you know, on 36 hours <laughs> after he stepped off the pitch in South America for his country. Lucas starts as the right center back. Jan takes over the, the deep-lying center center back role that's normally occupied by Otamendi. Moratu in, uh, introduced to the starting lineup, reintroduced, really. And interestingly enough, he goes to left center where I, I thought there was a match. I don't know if it was... I think it might have been in preseason or it was uh, one of the early preliminary Champions League matches where he played as the central center back and Jan on the left. I liked that, but it looks like J.J. trusts Jan a bit more to play in the deep center. The wingbacks are Diogo Gonçalves and Grimaldo. Of course, Weigel and João Mariu. Are the, the midfield pairings Romadio on his way back, on his way back from the Portuguese national team, which he returned to for the first time in two years after, um, you know, being a focal part of the, a very important part of the 2016 Portugal side that won the Euro. Um, he's now found his way back into, and may I say, he delivered three point, he delivered the cross. That found Cristiano Ronaldo for the winner against Ireland. And João Mario has as much a reason as anybody that Portugal sit top their group right now. Uh, the three in attack. Darwin gets the start again. He he pairs with Rodrigo Pinho and Everton Sibolinha, And we talked about both Rodrigo Pinho and Darwin. And where they are in their recoveries and in their adaptations. And this was a good game for both of them. But unfortunately, the game did not start well. It was a very bad first half. Okay. It's not a good first half. Benfica did not play well. Uh, Benfica traditionally does poorly on the back end of international breaks. There's a good reason for that. They have more international players than anybody else, or at least than just about anybody else in this league. And Santa Clara have an extra week to prepare for the match. That's the other thing. Santa Clara have a few international players, but nothing like what Benfica have to, you know, release. During those windows, but if you could don't have the group together to get ready for this match. Meanwhile, Santa Clara have a lot of the group together, and they prepared well, and they they even played well. Okay, the the scoreline in this one's a little bit misleading, as Santa Clara came out and they forced some real good saves from Odie. Uh, we can talk about Odie whether you know our rivals are talking about how it should have been a red card. Okay, uh, this has been talked about for everywhere. For me, that's not a red card, and here's why. And it's not because I like Befica. it's because what the referee called, okay, what the referee called, was a dangerous play. He called a high foot. He did not call a foul. You cannot send somebody off for a dangerous play. It's an indirect foul. It is not. It is an infraction. It is not a foul, okay? Because Odie, Odie's foot comes high, but because it gets the ball, it is not it is not a red card that's why he did that's why he got yellow for putting for putting his foot too high not for making contact had he missed the ball and made contact with the player's face we'd have a different story that's why the VAR didn't even review it okay because that is not reviewable calling a high foot is not reviewable especially when he got the ball had he not got the ball and he'd gotten the man it would have been a different story. But it wouldn't have even needed a VAR if that was the case. Did Diogo solve one in the penalty area? Hard to say. Again, it, yes, we're fortunate. I'm going to say we were fortunate to have 11 on the pitch. We were fortunate to not concede a penalty. But how many times have we seen our rivals not concede penalties? How how much does it take to call a penalty against Porto? Think about that for a minute. How much in their match against each other in this round, which kicked off an hour after this one finished, showed how hard it is to get sent off from those two teams. Okay, you got Pep, you you know, who gets away with punching a guy in the face almost. All right, you got another guy who I. Actually, quite enjoyed watching him step on Otavio. I thought that was fantastic. I forget which Sporting player did that, but that that made me happy <laughs> to see somebody step on Otavio. But you saw that um, it's not just Benfica that get the benefit of the doubt on some of these questionable calls. But going by the rules, if what he called is a high foot, that is not a red card. Okay, had he called something else, I wouldn't have an argument either. Okay, uh, as far again as the penalty, it's. I have not had the chance to really analyze the video and you're gonna some some will say of course not because it's against my team no it's because I don't do this for a living and I only have so much time but and it could have been either either way I don't think you have much of an argument but had had that had Porto gotten away with those two like we did I probably would be complaining and, and yes I admit that but they do get away with those. That's that's the point. Same with Sporting. Okay, they do get away with those. So, anyway, 42nd minute is when the deadlock is broken by Rodrigo Pino as he opens his goal-scoring account with Benfica. And he really makes a goal almost out of nothing, which uh, was exciting to see. He finds some space. He moves well up front. But, um... He makes a nice run uh to, from the center to the left center and Grimaldo plays a beautiful ball into space for him to run onto. He finds the space between the center backs. I should say between the left ce- between the right center back and the right wing back. Um, similar to the goal we gave up to Salvador Agra, very similar except um, it's to the other side, it's down the left. And Rodrigo Pinho gets himself in position, gets into the box, and finishes very, very well, beating beating the goalkeeper. And Benfica take the lead almost undeservedly into halftime. And JJ sees the issues once again and once again makes the, the changes. Rafa replaces Rodrigo Pinho. This was a good decision. This is not a punishment. A lot of people said, how do you take off the guy who scored from nothing? because JJ recognized that this match was calling for something else and it was calling for pace and Rafa is your guy when you go to pace. So what he did was Benfica were playing a lot of side to side football. Okay. Because Santa Clara were defending well. Benfica playing a lot of side to side football. And with Darwin on one side and Rafa on the other, now you have two vertical threats to get in behind to stretch Santa Clara out. So that's what I think he was going for there, and it, it paid off, obviously, as if you could start to find the spaces. In the 52nd, it is Everton who collects the ball, plays a nice through ball again down the channel, and it is Darwin Nunez down that same left side where we scored the first goal from just at the other end of the pitch now in the second half. Darwin beats, uh, you know, he gets between. He beats them on the run. They they do struggle to keep up with Darwin's pace when he gets in behind. He likes to run. He likes to carry the ball and run at goal. He's not like a Rodrigo Pino that can play between lines or that can play with his back to goal and look for support. He gets he gets his positioning in. Everton delivers a good ball. Everton doesn't get enough credit for what he does right. Everyone focuses on everything he's not doing right right now. Um, He plays a nice through ball like I said and Darwin with his inside right foot uh, from the left side of the box right to the center of the goal opens his account for the season 2-0 to Benfica and I was excited for this because this guy needed a goal more than anybody and he got it. Uh, He finally gets that goal that he's desperately needed to rebuild some of his confidence. Benfica would get another goal not that much later. It would be in the 57th and again Maybe our most informed player this season so far, at least in terms of of uh, creating and finishing, it, it is Rafa Silva, and he has a he has a goal. This was a worldly. This is a goal of the week candidate, no doubt. Maybe you know a a outsider as a goal of the year. He hits a ball perfectly outside the box, and he just buries it. Into the bottom right corner. Goalkeeper has no chance. He's set up by Julian Weigel. Weigel with the assist. Rafa with the goal. 3-0 to Benfica. On comes Luis Felipe. The former former Sporting player replacing Rui Costa. For Santa Clara. And Benfica welcome him. to As as does uh, Mohamed Mohebi. Comes on to replace Krizan. And Benfica welcome the two of them to the pitch. By picking up their fourth. It's Darwin once again. This time it's a left footed shot from the right side of the box. He made his run the other way. A nice assist from Lucas Verissimo. He plays deadly balls out of the back into the attacking third. He may be the best player we have on this team at delivering that vertical pass, Lucas Verissimo. And I'm glad he played in this one. It was risky. I was uneasy about it at first, but I'm glad he played. Darwin's left foot finds the back of the net. 4-0 to Benfica at the hour mark. And that's it for Darwin, as he would score the goal and come off replaced by Yaremchuk, and Jedson replaces Joao Mario. Job well done by Joao Mario. Time to rest up and get ready for Dinamo. And in the 67th, it is Roman Yaremchuk, the Ukrainian right-footed shot from very close range into the bottom left corner. Another assist for for Alejandro Grimaldo. Benfica 5 0 That's how this one finishes. Benfica. Do work in the azur. They come back with all three points. And with five goals. Four. And as we said. Now we stand here. Benfica are the top goal scoring team. In the entire Liga Portugal. Okay. Before we go. Let's look at the round seven fixtures. Here they are in the Liga Portugal. And um, pulling them up actually. The uh, round will start this Friday I believe. And yes. Friday is the start of 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 round seven of course round six has completed um it is a final now in braga braga three tondela one so that table i read you earlier is is accurate it is current um friday we have sporting versus Marítimo. that's a two o'clock eastern time kickoff here in the united states 11 a.m pacific and 7 p.m portuguese time and then at 4.15 Eastern, 1.15 Pacific, and 9.15 p.m. Portuguese time. In Barcelos, it is Gil Vicente hosting Futebol Clube do Porto. Saturday, three matches. Moreirense hosting Oroca bright and early. And then 1 o'clock Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific, and that makes it 6 p.m. Portuguese time. Vitoria Guimarães hosts Benfica. This is a tough one. I'm... I'm I'm uh, mildly nervous about this one this is a, this is a tough stadium to go play at. Um, yes Vitoria are having their struggles this season that doesn't mean anything. Uh, they are always tough to play against and um, you know they're gonna welcome Benfica and there will be no Benf- there'll be virtually no Benfica support I don't think in the stadium that day you're gonna see a lot of it's gonna be a very pro Vitoria uh, crowd I expect. Uh, perhaps there'll be some Benfica support, but uh, this is a team that that is well well supported at home. vitoria Gimenaish. Guimarães. It'll be a, it'll be a test on Saturday, um, and we'll be back after the match. I plan to to record Saturday night after the match and re- and cover it quickly. Uh, if not Saturday, then sometimes Sunday, and then the late game on Saturday is Tondela hosting Famalicão. Sunday, two matches. Uh, Santa Clara host Braga in Ponta Delgada, while Portimonense host Vizela in Portimão. Monday, two matches, Pasos Ferreira versus Bolognese Sad, or Bissad, Boavista hosting Istoril. All right, that's going to do it for this episode 124. Thank you for hanging with me this long. Thank you for letting me catch up on the Liga knowledge. I'll be back. Um, I'll be back Wednesday. Wednesday, I will drop episode 125, and that'll be a Champions League review, Benfica, Versus Dynamo Kiev in the Ukraine. Alright, that's coming your way Thursday. Uh, sorry, Wednesday night. So uh, be on the lookout for it. Wherever you get your podcasts, okay? No video episodes this week, like I said. So only on podcast form. Um, so whether it's Apple, Stitcher, iTunes. Um, iTunes is Apple. Uh, Spotify, Podbean, wherever. iHeartRadio, uh, Audacity, on Alexa, on uh, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is on most of the platforms now. Make sure to catch it. And um, if you haven't already, subscribe and drop a five-star review if you're using Apple. And, of course, check out www.mrbainfica.com. All right, I'll be back then. Uh, I'll be back Wednesday to talk Champions League. Thank you, everybody, and I'll see you next time. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinio signing off.